Greetings to you all, and welcome to Back to Ashes. My name is Phoenix. I'd like to give a very special thank you to the reformed members of this channel. Inner Scare Wifey, Denise S, Seven Leaf Clover through Scrutiny, Samantha Plays, Stephanie McLaren, Corpse Lover, Mana Ash, Normandy W, Christy Elias, Cindy Cleveland, and Patty's Niece. If you would like to become a member of Back to Ashes or would like to buy me a coffee as a special thank you, all that information can be found down below. If you are new here or haven't done so already, please don't forget to subscribe, like, share, and comment. That way you know every time I upload a video and two, it helps support the channel. With all of that being said, it is time to go back to ashes. For once we arise from the ashes, we are a bigger, brighter, stronger, and a happier person in the morning. Sit back, relax, kick back, grab a snack, or tuck in to get warm, and prepare for this dose of vocal melatonin entitled True Demonic Stories. Right after this intro, an ad will play. I'll read the first story an ad will play. And after that, there will be no more ads within this video. This is what happened to my cousin and I at a fishing trip. Till this day, my cousin and I can't explain what we've seen. My cousin's family is located in Lansdale, Pennsylvania, and one night his family and I decided to head to the dock to fish at nighttime. They planned to catch catfish during the night. My cousin and I decided to walk towards the path to the end of the dock. At this time of day, the dock was almost pitch black with a couple of lights on the dock path. Well, by the time we reached to the end of the dock, we saw a small bridge connected to the dock and led into the woods across the water from the dock. We decided to walk across the bridge to the woods and see who gets scared and runs back to the dock. Halfway over the bridge, we see a trash can under a light post and next to the trash can was this person-like figure. My cousin and I believed at first it was just clothes piled up that looked like a person. We both walk up to the pile of clothes, and that's when the person slash pile of clothes looks up through its hood of a hoodie, looking straight at us while the light is directly on top of it. When we looked into the hood while the light is shining right on it, we saw pure darkness. We saw no face. Even when the light was shined to the hoodie, darkness just swallowed it. We freaked out and ran. We came back with family members and a friend to show them what we had seen, and when we returned, there was no pile of clothes, no hoodie, nothing. Till this day, we believe we saw a gen, or something that our brains couldn't process. Everyone else believes we just saw a homeless person, but my cousin and I saw what we seen, pure darkness. Not a religious or a believer in this stuff. Also, no mental illness that I'm aware of and no drug abuse. But I'm trying to have an open mind and thought I'd ask. Normally, I'd forget most of my dreams or remember only fragments of them. However, I had a lucid dream a year or so ago that was so truly terrifying and still kind of haunts me, wishing I had forgotten it. I don't want to create a gigantic story, so I will cut it down to what I feel are the essential parts. It's still a bit of a wall of text, though. I'm on a bus with other people. 
Outside the bus is the universe. So the bus is traveling through space. There is a severe feeling of loss of time. It is a lucid dream, so being self-aware was painful because I felt dull to time inside out. I finally managed to get out, and I'm entering a sort of citadel made out of nonsensical geometrical shapes from the outside. On the inside, a sort of labyrinth. Not being able to traverse the labyrinth, I will myself into the middle of the citadel. I will myself into the center of the citadel. There are lots of mirrors in the central room. None of them reflect my body. In the absolute center is a pale, sickly-looking woman with long black hair holding a child with some serpent and fish-like features. That woman and the child is reflected by the mirrors. As I'm walking towards them, they seem completely unaware of me. But, as I get too close, though, the woman is utterly apathetic to the approach. The child in her arms does see me. Its face turns into a demonic face with cruel eyes, and the mouth has many, many teeth as a shark, with layers of teeth after it. So, it screams with an ear-shattering sound, like a hellish screech that quakes the entire citadel. The pale woman cradling the child seemed to still be unaffected, as if blind and deaf. The screech is so loud, so terrifying, and the only way I can describe it is soul-piercing and mind-shattering. Okay, this is the point the sheer terror wakes me up. As I'm waking up, in real life, I feel unable to move for a bit, as I'm suffering sleep paralysis. Can't exactly be sure, really. I can't tell if I spent 30 seconds or 3 minutes, but I finally managed to climb out of bed and get up on my feet. I also had some hallucination of texts and colors on my walls. I hear that is normal with sleep paralysis, if that is what I had. Anyway, the reason I posted around about this looking for answers for so long is because the lucid nightmares still haunt me. It is the only nightmare that I have ever had in my life that has stayed so fresh in my mind for so long. The memory of it, the imagery, the emotional trauma, it's still as fresh as if it happened yesterday. It's hard to get any real input due to most people not taking people's dreams seriously. So I thought, what the heck? might try here and see if it fits a demonic entity or spirit, because I really can't apply logic to understand it. As a disclaimer, again, no drug use, no mental illness, I'm not religious, I'm not the kind of person to easily fall for looking at things from a superstitious angle. But being out of options, I thought, why the hell not? Quick P.S. So. Basically, just wondering if this would match the identity of a demonic entity. All answers are welcome. This is just one small piece of the story, but this is true, and I swear this was not a dream. I woke up one night and checked my phone to see if my son had texted me goodnight. He has done this every day for years. 
I noticed the time was 2.20 a.m. I put my phone away and stared up at the ceiling, lying on my back, waiting for sleep. My wife was beside me, spooning my side, with her back to the only window in the room, which was about 20 feet away from her, to my right, basically. About 10 feet to my left was a walk-in closet and the bathroom. Both doors were closed. Behind my head was the headboard and outside wall. My feet extended out towards our other bedroom wall. Our bedroom door was closed, as usual. Our only window, which opens to the parking lot three floors below, was mostly blocked with a blackout shade and decorative curtains. A small amount of light from a street light just outside crept into the room and gave the black shade an almost vague orange glow. As I stared up at the ceiling attempting to fall asleep, I noticed that the air in the room felt thick, like static on a TV, and I could see microscopic bits of light flickering all over my peripheral. There seemed to be a noise in the background like TV static. Also, shh. I assumed it was my imagination, but I began to get a very, very scary feeling. I tried to close my eyes, but that scary feeling turned into a danger feeling. I turned to my right to wake my wife. She usually comforts me when I have paranormal issues. And I noticed a large slash tall black figure standing in front of the window, partially behind the curtain. And my fight or flight response instantly kicked in. I felt imminent danger. But at the same time, it didn't seem possible. So I just closed my eyes tightly and reopened them. The figure immediately took a sidestep to its left. I could see the entire being now. It was big and black and possibly shiny. It was very tall and had long arms, and I swear this is the truth. It had two horns. It was totally silent. The static sound was all around. I knew this wasn't possible, but I was in a total panic. My body was telling me to run now. I blinked and it was one step closer to me. I started shaking my wife and screaming her name over and over. Each time I looked up, the thing was one step closer than before. I couldn't understand why she wouldn't wake up. I started shaking her harder and harder and yelling at her as loud as I could, practically screaming her name and fighting the urge to run. But knowing that if she didn't wake up immediately, something horrible and violent was going to happen. The last time I looked up, it was towering over us, only a couple of steps away, and I couldn't catch my breath. And then she was holding me, and her bedside lamp was on, and everything was totally quiet. She told me that I had been screaming in my sleep, screaming loudly like she had never heard before. She said that she couldn't wake me up, that I just screamed and tried to fight her off. I was almost crying. This was one of the worst events I had had, and it absolutely terrified me. I know you were all going to think it was a dream or sleep paralysis or night terrors, but to me, it was real. 
It occurred at a time in my life when strange and unexplained things were happening to me. Long story short, over a six-ish year period in my life, something was trying to make me commit suicide. Something was slowly affecting every aspect of my life, playing the long game. During this time, I had regular paranormal experiences. I lost my high-paying career. I lost my house and both of my cars. I lost nearly all of my possessions. I became estranged from my son, my parents, and all of my loved ones. Eventually, I got a divorce. I was charged with crimes I did not commit. I was faced with more hardship and depression than I thought possible to survive. This is not a story of how I found Jesus, although I have always been a Christian. I was estranged from the church during this time also. But I do believe this could have been demonic. I have read true accounts of others who have been led to near suicide over a long period of time by... I don't... something. I am glad to say that many years later, everything ended up working out. Before I begin, I apologize. English isn't my first language, so I'm sorry if some of the parts don't make sense. Here is my story. I'm from India. This happened in one of the southern states there. This was like back in 2012. I was 13. We were at my grandma's place for summer vacation. We are plantation owners. Arika nuts mostly. Some coconut coffee and cocoa to now. The thing about plantations is that they're extremely secluded. Apart from neighboring plantations. Which are a still good 20 minute walk through plantations and forests. The nearest city is like 45 minutes via any vehicle on a mud road. No street lights whatsoever. My grandma lives there with my eldest maternal uncle and his family. And they usually walk around at night like they own the freaking place. Which they do technically, but still, that's badass. I, on the other hand, hold on to peeing until the sun rises because I'm a sissy. So, during vacations, we all gather at this plantation for a get-together. That includes our family, two of my mom's sisters and their families, and two of her brothers and their families. There's six siblings in total, another testament to how cool my grandma was. We got there early, like at around 9 a.m. or so. My aunts and their families get there a few days before us, as always. Me being the eldest guy in my generation, I get pampered a lot because I have some badass elder sisters. And yet again, I come off as a sissy in comparison to them. Even my youngest cousin's sister, she's like seven, feels absolutely no fear. Anyways, back to the story. So, we all get there by 7 p.m., except my youngest uncle, who was unmarried at that time. He's the only one who likes the city better than the plantation, and despite being devotional, doesn't really participate in a lot of devotional activities. He was the only one to refuse to do the run, a rite of passage in our tradition. Maybe a separate post for that if needed. 
in their generation of about 14 guys in total. Back in the day, that was a huge deal. He lives in a major city, which is like a good four-hour drive from the plantation. And to avoid traffic, he decided to drive in the evening and get there by 11 p.m. or so. Which was a very bad idea. So he started driving at around 8 p.m. from home. We had an outdoor barbecue going on at around that time, but by around 10, we were all pretty sleepy, so we went back to the house. We never locked doors because we have like six huge dogs. Plus, we figure my uncle will probably get here at around midnight because navigation through the mud road is tough, even for the locals. So, there's a small slope or drop that leads to the front yard of the house. Usually, this is where the vehicles come in from. At around 1 a.m., all of our dogs started barking, which is rare, because they're never together once we take off their leashes for the night. So, naturally, we woke up, figuring Uncle was here. We cousins love him because he's really cool. And we peep out the window. We cousins share this huge bedroom on the second floor of the house. And we see that his car is stuck on the slope. And two of the dogs are circling the car with their tails tucked between their legs. Then we hear this howling. Loud and sharp. I remember my nuts crawling into my throat. It was one of the dogs who was at the door. He was howling facing the door. At first, we thought our uncle probably ran over one of the dogs, which would have been awful enough. But no. All this happened in a manner of a few seconds, but it was so much to take in that it felt longer. So, then our grandma and my eldest uncle opened the front door, and the dog howling at the door bolted towards the car. At this point, Five dogs were circling the car, sniffing and growling at God knows what. There were still a good 20 to 30 feet distance between the car and the house. So my grandma called out to Mama, asking him to park and that the dogs won't do anything, figuring he's scared of the dogs. Uncle didn't respond. The car was dead. The only light was coming from the house. So my eldest uncle started walking towards the car. He thought that maybe he's having car trouble or something. And before he could reach halfway, my uncle opened the car door, but not the driver's end. The rear one. Like he wasn't driving at all, and started walking towards the house. We all for a second thought that was funny. That's part of him being cool and pulling pranks and stuff. But then, he walked past the eldest uncle like he didn't even see him. Same with Grandma. At this point, we're all starting to get worried. So, we cousins walk down and get a glimpse of Uncle before he dashes for the temple room inside the house. He looked so damn pale, and his eyes were bloodshot. We got scared, thinking he's drunk and that he drove here in that state. Then, shit hit the fan. One of the dogs ran inside the house. The remaining were all around the house, looking very, very nervous and whining about wanting to get in. That's what I assumed. My grandma and the eldest uncle came in shortly after. 
By this point, everyone was awake in the house, and we kids were told to get back upstairs. But obviously, we were way too close to pissing ourselves to even move. And then, we heard this laughing. Youngest uncle was laughing in this deep voice that seemed demonic. I remember gripping my sister's arm and whimpering worse than the dogs when I heard it. For a second, every fearful memory seemed to crawl over me, and all I wanted to do was to ball up and cry. It seemed that that was the general consensus amongst everyone who had heard the laugh. My grandma approached my uncle, and he shot her this nasty look, and then he started speaking in an ancient Tulu a southern Indian language, dialect. I didn't understand a word of it, but my grandma did, and she just sobbed and yelled back at him. At this point, most of my cousins and aunts were in tears, and then uncle started walking back to the door, saying something again in that freaky dialect. At this point, my eldest uncle and my aunt's husband tackled and restrained him. He was at the foot of the stairs, between us and the adult. Keep in mind that these guys are big and strong. One of them was a commando in the army, and the other is a pro kabaddi player. And my eldest uncle can hold his own. He's 6'2 and well-built. Between the three of them, it took all of their strength to hold down a skinny 5'10 guy. My middle uncle, who seemed to be missing during the whole commotion, rushed in with a dude from the nearing plantation, a relative of ours. By relation, he's like our grandfather's cousin or something, but he's our uncle's age. It's strange, I know. He's a priest in our community, so he came in and went to the temple room and grabbed the ceremonial sword and the kalash. A small brass pot that held the turf equivalent of holy water. I know, it's getting to a comical point, but I kid you not, that's how it happened. And then he started talking to Mama in the same dialect. Then he touched the hilt of the sword to his forehead and started chanting. Uncle thrashed and throbbed like, well, like he was possessed. And then he emptied the kalosh on his head. My uncle went limp and fell to the floor. Then he started seizing up and my uncles turned him on his side. He was dazed as hell and started crying. And then he threw up all over the floor. My grandma was stunned and crying in a chair. Everybody was in tears. The dog refused to leave and the rest were at the doorsteps. My aunt tried to shoo them away, but they didn't budge. The priests insisted we let them stay. They saved his uncle's life. Then we heard this thump outside. We were too close to shitting ourselves to move, but the commando uncle went out. The car that was stuck on the slope had rolled down and bumped up against the house. The priest went out and did the same swarty thingy to the car. Instead of the hilt, he used the blade and asked no one to get near it until sunrise. It was around 1 a.m. at that time. Everyone was too messed up to go back to sleep. The house smelt like puke, wet dog and scarily of smoke. 
Uncle had passed out. We kids were all huddled up in the hall and the adults were all talking. One of my uncles was keeping watch on the uncle who was in the other room. I can't remember when I fell asleep. I don't remember dreaming or anything. And honestly, when I woke up, I was thinking this was all just a dream. In the morning, at around 7 or so, my uncles decided to move the car to the garage. That's when we saw it. A faint red handprint on the windshield. The spooky part? It was on the inside of the driver's side. Oh, and the dialect. From later pestering my eldest uncle for days, she told me it loosely translated to, I'm going to take your son to where you won't find what's left of him. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Analysis for the Burning Woman, April 14, 1944. Schizophrenia is a term quite vaguely blanketed over a plethora of conjunct or exclusive diagnoses. In fact, schizophrenia lacks a true material definition after all. One glaring misconception must be acknowledged, namely that labeling a hallucinatory experience as paranormal constitutes an explanation which can only be physical. In truth, a hallucination is a sensory experience that does not correspond to a real, external, physical object. This does not prove that there is no real basis for this experience, i.e., that the person is deluded, unless we should presuppose that physical reality is the only reality. Such metaphysical naturalism, or physical puritanism, is exactly what is being called into question in the case of Jane Doe, or the Burning Woman. For purposes of discretion, let's just call her Sandra Doe, though Jane Doe would be significantly discretionary. The alternate label would placate an exercise of a more sequential intimacy to the subject, whose first name is, in fact, slightly numerical to Sandra, even if for the purpose of my own analytical perspective, as to not consequently objectify the subject as merely a case study, but rather the study of a human being. It would be a circular logic to dismiss a paranormal claim on the grounds that the absence of a physical, external object is evidence that the experience is not grounded in objective reality. In the case of Sandra, through years of rigorous, invasive tests, none could explain away her experiences she claimed to be. She claimed to be of the prenatural or metaphysical into one distinctive category of mental illness, but of a tincture of many. 
she began experiencing seizures two years before the imminent event to which all this leads, which were rites of exorcism. The Doe's were a traditional Roman Catholic family, and yet Sandra's mother was reluctant to invoke supernatural explanations for Sandra's affliction. Sandra herself feared that she was crazy or had something wrong in her head. In that, she did not immediately speculate that her spiritual attacks were of demonic origin. Her father Robert seems to have been the first to voice the superstition, being perhaps more credulous in those matters, but also because he witnessed many of the strange, inexplicable sounds she heard herself, which included such phenomena as an insistent rapping on the windows, walls, and most predominantly from insides of closets. One common misconception is that the initial diagnosis of epilepsy is a casual explanation of the girl's condition. Epilepsy is merely, simply, the state of having reoccurring seizures, anomalous electrical events that can result from a wide variety of causes. A diagnosis of epilepsy labels neurological phenomena and does not explain the physical cause of the condition which in many cases is impossible to determine. To say Sandra's condition was caused by epilepsy is to practice a sort of magic of words, where applying a Greek term to a phenomenon supposedly gives us a power of understanding, when in fact it simply describes or labels a physical condition without providing any insight into its case. Her first seizure in 1984 caused her to lose control of her body in a full waking state, a phenomenon which could also be attributed to the blurry neurological event known as sleep paralysis, which is a phenomenon experienced by millions without the casual label of seizure or epilepsy. However, during those events, Sandra was not asleep, but fully aware and cognizant, her five grand mall seizures, which occurred over a span of just as many years, manifested physically as a total blackout state. And even after a battery of invasive testing, numerous EEGs and analysis by three different neurologists, no signs of abnormalities in the temporal lobe were attributable. I fear that I've stirred something awake in the studies of this case. Something cold punching me in the back, drops in temperature around me, and an imbalance of the equilibrium. An incomprehensible dread had manifested incrementally as if my insides led to a hole, somewhere desolate where I scream for help but nobody listens. It appears all around invisibly, as if I'm treading through a dark forest tracked by wolves remaining in the shadows. Even though I'm here, I'm really there. I have a menagerie of graven, holy objects that suddenly seemed repellent. Perhaps it's merely delusion taking hold through my investment of such matters. End of Part 1 as I have attempted to begin the second phase in this study, it seems as if my joints are locking up and preventing me to write. Though I feel fully fluid in my ability to describe my own experiences, I have a disquieting perception that tells me not, in words, 
but in pathological sensations that I abstained from investigating this case further. Today I found myself astray of time and embodiment. I passed by a miniature statue of the Virgin in my study and was gripped into a trance. I was angered even. Her dotting expression to infant Jesus was enraging. This was at roughly 2.15 p.m. What happened between then and 6.05 p.m. is missing in my memory. The only palpable sensation I'm feeling from is one of absolute malice. It's been three days and it seems as if my brain has let go of the mysterious schema of delusion which prevented me from writing before. And now I can continue and resume until it perhaps avails me again. At any rate, Sandra's condition to lapse back is an imperfect match with most diagnostic definitions of schizophrenia. By 1987, three years after her first attack, she saw demonic faces and heard disturbing voices whispering into her ear, telling her that she was damned to hell. Her seizure on January 14th, near the end of her first year of high school, was quite severe, followed by several smaller aftershocks, but afterwards there was nothing. On January 30th, Dr. Henrich examined her again, but found nothing pathological in her EEG. A barrier. All of a sudden, once again, something has hit me in the back. The air turned cold and smelled of acrid confection of burning sewage and dung. The intense stench then had reverted to the scent of something burning. My smoke alarms all went off in unison, and yet there was no smoke. The fire department alerted me that there was no overabundance of carbon monoxide or any burning. No wiring issues, nothing of worry. I found myself standing before the statue of the Virgin. I felt the intense need to begin praying, but I couldn't convince my subconscious to picture or frame the words in any capacity. I tried to approach the statue, but something was pushing me back. This will conclude me writing for the night. The air is turbid. The tapping persists. I feel evil. My joints are locking up. And whenever I pass by the mirror in the hallway, though I cannot look, I feel a dread I've never experienced. I halted and saw, in my periphery, my own head turning to face me as I stood still, facing straight ahead. I don't want to know what was looking at me. I am perpetually unsettled. My dreams are vaguely disgusting. When I wake... I am filled with memories of myself repeatedly waking in the same position in which I came out of my slumber. Something or someone was waiting for me on the couch in the living room. Hello, I was wondering if anyone had insight on this. My entire life, I was followed around multiple states, from childhood to adulthood. I'm not sure who or what, but it was always around. It seemed to be trying hard to make me extremely uncomfortable. 
I was a Christian as a kid, and whenever I used religious calls, prayers, and phases, it would go away for a while. I spent most of my life pretending not to notice anything happening. Things moving, a weight on the bed next to me, strange sounds when it was quiet, that kind of stuff. I eventually lost my belief in a Judeo-Christian God. I was given advice by a pagan friend on how to get rid of it. Most of the advice was a huge lifestyle and personality change. Stay positive. Know your power over them. Eliminate unnecessary worry or fear. It worked. It took practice, but it worked completely. She explained to me that religion is usually used in these situations because it is total belief. Belief strengthens intent, but if you have strong intent without belief, it is exactly the same. Either way, my problem was solved for now. I ended up getting married and having kids. That made things start happening again in whatever home we lived in. I noticed that it is much more difficult to fight negative with positive when there are five other people in your home to add to that negative. I can't make them change the way I had to as a young adult. Since then, I have seen signs of activity and immediately turned up my protection a notch. It sounds so stupid when I type it out. The activity goes away, then comes back later after I let my guard down. It has been back and forth, back and forth, but I have always handled it pretty well. About a week ago, I had my first nightmare in years. My youngest daughter and wife also had nightmares that night. I immediately noticed the sign and took my usual steps to make it go away again. It hasn't been working. The next night, I was in the kitchen late at night and my dog started growling bearing teeth and his hair standing up. He has literally never done this before. I've had him for seven months and I've never heard him growl unless he's playing with a toy or with another dog. That night, when I was putting my daughter to sleep, she looked over by the window, stared, and then grabbed onto me and squeezed. She kept trying to sneak peeks back over there, the blinds were drawn and the window was closed. This was the third time that day that I saw her staring at nothing, confused and a little scared. She had been falling over a lot more lately, sometimes bruising herself. Last night, I told my wife about these signs and asked her to try to stay positive. Stop stressing so much. You know the basics. This is not the first time we have had this conversation. She agreed and understood. We went to sleep and I slept horribly. My wife told me about 30 minutes ago that at 2 a.m.-ish, my daughter was sleeping in our bed at the foot, which she doesn't do because she loves to snuggle, and she started screaming horribly. She wasn't moving any part of her body like it was being held still for her. Her eyes were wide open, and she was just screaming bloody murder. I am at work, but my first instinct is to haul ass home and confront it like I had to do before. I am not in the right state to do that. I am far too angry, and that will just feed this mother effer. My real problem here is that I think I passed that piece of shit to my daughter, like a GD virus. 
The techniques that I have been using for seven years are not working anymore, and I don't know what to do. I have two teenagers and a very stressed out wife. The negativity in my house is off the charts. Is there any advice that anyone can give me? Please. I should start by saying I don't know if it's in my room or following me, but I'm sure it's something. So, here's a bit of background, or the whole story basically. Wednesday, my friend told me he's a Satanist. I thought it wasn't a big deal, so I kept going with my day. The next day, Thursday by the way, I decided, hey, why don't I ask him to summon a demon or something to go after a pedophile I know? After he did it a few minutes later, his name was written on the corner of my notebook. I thought he didn't write it because I was talking to him the whole time. It just ended up there. We kind of just laughed it off. Later that day, everything was normal. I got home from school and continued with everything. I had trouble falling asleep, but I just blamed it on me taking a nap after school. I ended up falling asleep at around 2 a.m. Sometime in between 2 a.m. and 6 a.m., something called my name. I know it wasn't my mom because she was asleep when I got up for school, so I don't know who or what it was. There was another thing that was odd about that moment. When I heard my name, I sat upright in my bed and said, Yes? I don't know why I was in a deep sleep and I never sit upright when someone calls my name. The next day, or later, Friday, things were normal other than what happened that morning. I talked to my friends about it and most of them said not to worry about it. I told my Satanist friend what happened and he said, don't blame me. I went on with the day, but in band, one of the sheet music went from my music stand to the last chair, who went up to give it to the band director. I don't know how she got it. I just know it ended up in her hands. I know she didn't take it because I was looking at my music stand, and she didn't get up other than to give the band director my music. And honestly, I didn't even see her get up. So, that sets us here. Nothing else has happened since school, but it's getting late, and I'm kind of scared to see what will happen later tonight. My sister brought this story up to me a couple of times, and every single time she does, I get creeped out. This happened to my sister a couple years ago in our apartment. She was in my parents' room praying. We are Muslim, so my sister was wearing a headscarf and long skirt to pray with my parents. Their room had a huge mirrored closet, so my sister was praying in front of it, which is a big nope for me. So, as she is praying, she hears someone open the door behind her. While they open it, she told me that everyone that was home was in the living room. So, as she bends over while praying, she hears footsteps behind her coming closer. Because she is bending down, she can't see from the skirt. So as she rises up, 
to standing. She looks in the mirror and makes a dash to the living room, not even finishing her prayer. She said that in the mirror, she'd seen a tall black figure behind her and attempt to wrap its long arms around her when she stood up. She said as she ran, she looked back and still seen it in the mirror. She ran to my dad and told him, and he said it was nothing. Still dumbfounded, she asked him later, and he said, yeah, that was a djinn. For anyone who doesn't know what djinn is, it's what people like to call shadow people. I can go into more details about djinns, but it's not good to keep talking about them. They can haunt people the more you talk about them. Another time, like maybe a year ago, my sister said how she was laying in bed on her phone when everyone was asleep and she had her foot hanging out of the bed. A big nope for me. Anyways, she said how something just wrapped its hand around her foot and she froze. She didn't know what to do and just stood still, terrified of what was holding her foot. She said it started to then stroke her foot and finally let go. I guess her gen or ghost had a foot fetish. Anyways, thank you for listening to my story. Here is some background. I'm from a religious family, but from a young age have always been skeptical and a critic of religion in general. This singular experience has been enough for me to wonder where there really is a God or perhaps more to this world than we think. I was maybe 11 years old at the time. It was midday. Mainline electricity had just came back on and my father had asked me to turn the power generator off, which was located on the third floor of the house. I walked up the stairs thinking about the dinner my mother was making and how I couldn't wait to have some chicken. I reached the third floor, which is access to the second floor balcony, turned the generator off and started walking back down. As I'm walking down the stairs, I see it out of the corner of my eye, standing in front of the second floor entrance into the house. I focus my gaze on it in complete disbelief of what I'm seeing. I remember very vividly telling myself not to take my eyes off of it, so I could gauge if it was real or not. Being a black-clothed figure or man, the length of the door with only its head and hands exposed, that were a red-pink hue, like the flesh had been burned or melted. Its gaze was piercing. My legs turned to jelly and I lost balance, falling down the stairs but managing to hold on to the railing. When I looked back to the door, it had disappeared. I raced downstairs in complete horror, asking my father if he had seen it or if he was pulling a prank on me, but he just looked at me like I was crazy and said I was imagining things. I know for sure it wasn't some figment of my imagination. When I told my aunt this story, she told me her son had also said he'd seen a man in our house, but she thought he was talking nonsense. I have no family history of schizophrenia. This had never happened to me before, and it hasn't ever happened since. I still get goosebumps thinking about it 14 years later. 
Has anyone else seen something resembling this? My closest guess is that it could have been a gen. Okay, before I start off, I do want to clarify that I've always believed in the unseen. Not ghosts, as in humans dying and coming back to haunt us, but an unseen race similar to mankind. Being a Muslim, sorry for bringing religion up, it's a part of our faith to believe in the existence of jinns, a type of sentient being that is invisible to our naked eye. Jinns are not necessarily evil. However, we believe that from Lucifer, or Iablis as we called him, is what's called a shaitan, which is where the word Satan comes from. Shaitan are basically jinns that are evil and work for Iablis. In my opinion, many paranormal encounters are just jinn encounters, because although jinns are invisible to us, Many of them have different abilities, like shape-shifting into animals, objects, and even humans. Shaitan, as well as young jinns, often times attempt to scare humans by moving objects, turning on lights, and talking because they A. find it amusing or B. feel more powerful when we are scared of them. Now to my story. I'm a filmmaker. I love making short films and a goal of mine is to be creating indie features and owning my own production company. I love all types of films, but for some reason, I always tend to be drawn to horrors. Maybe it's because of my interest in the unknown. About a couple weeks ago, as I was out getting some food, I walked past the Salvation Army store, which, for those of you who don't know, they sell used items for very cheap that people donate to them. Because the store was a small section where they toss out stuff that they can't sell, I decided to check it out to see if there's anything good. And there was. A super creepy toy doll. Now, most people would not want to take a creepy doll home with them, but not me. I thought it would make a great prop for a short horror film, so I threw it in the trunk of my car. Fast forward to two weeks later, I've made my short film, but I decided to keep it. It might be worth something when I get famous. A couple of days pass. It's three in the morning, and I'm busy writing a script for potential short films. My wife is in bed asleep, and with the exception of my PC monitor, there's no other light on. In the middle of my writing, I hear a doorknob turn and a door open behind me. I look back to see my walk-in closet all the way open. Now, I'm 100% positive that it opened by itself, because we never leave that door open. I get a strange feeling in my gut, but I quickly ignore it and get back to writing. I wasn't scared, but nothing like this has ever happened to me. As a kid, I used to turn off all the lights in my basement, grab a flashlight, and go ghost hunting in the basement. My sister and cousin, who I forced to come with me, thought I was crazy. The next day, I was just cleaning around the house. I just brought my laundry to my room. When I tried to open the door to my walk-in closet, 
it was locked. I didn't even know that it could get locked. It stayed locked until the morning after. That very night, at 3 in the morning, as I was playing some video games, I heard a click behind me. The bathroom light turned on by itself. I'm 100% sure that it was off before. The strange feeling I had two nights ago had returned. Just this morning, as I was driving to work, I felt a hand grasp my shoulder, and there's nobody else in the car. Now, I'm not sure what is the cause of all of this, and I don't want to speculate, but I will update this post if anything else happens. I don't know if the creepy doll has anything to do with this. I'm currently at work, but I'll post photos and more stories when I get home. To be continued. I am from Eastern Europe, and that's why my English is not perfect. I will tell you a story that my grandparents and mother used to talk about. My great-grandfather went to the forest to pick up some wood. He went there during the night, since it was illegal to take wood from the forest. By chance, he met there another man from the village who was doing the same thing. They agreed to stick together. A little time passed when they saw a small billy goat. Its fur was black. My great-grandfather assumed that someone had lost it. They decided to take the billy goat with them in order to share its meat later. They put the billy goat in a sack and then weird stuff started to happen. The sack became heavier and heavier and they exchanged it often between them. At some point... The billy goat was so agitated that my great-grandfather said, Take it easy, billy goat. The paranormal thing is that the goat repeated the same exact words in a weird voice. My great-grandfather had a gun and shot the sack twice. There was nothing but thin air. They were convinced it was the devil since they had in mind to steal wood. He had many other paranormal stories. Let me know if you want to hear them. And that, dear listeners, brings a close to these true demonic stories. If you are sleeping, I hope Slumberland is treating you comfortably. If you're awake, I hope you've enjoyed this collection. Until next time. Please take care of yourselves. I'll be reading to you soon. Have yourself a good morning, a good afternoon, or good evening. Peace, love, and light to you all.